What can we learn from somebody who has been faithfully in ministry for six plus decades? What are some of the biggest issues facing the church today? And in our cultural moment, how can we effectively reach people for Christ? Well, we're glad you're with us because here on the Think Biblically podcast brought to you by Biola University, we have a special episode tonight. And it's special in one sense because we're celebrating our fifth year as a podcast, which is pretty amazing to think about, Scott. But it's also kind of special because we brought back our first guest, didn't we? we? We going full circle. I remember after we 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 interviewed Josh for the first time for the very first episode, he said, "If if your ratings fall off, then call me back." And we just five years later, we called him back. There you go. And our ratings have not fallen off one bit, but I'm sure we're going to go now to 110 thousand downloads a month by virtue of having you on with us. Or you'll go to 90. That's, that's <laughs> a possibility, too. Yeah, we so, feel like we're returning the favor now. Yeah, uh, here, here. You know, flip the script. But, Dad, we're honored that you're with us. And my, my first question is, it was fun to put this together, watching your ministry, but also just seeing you as, as your son. And I thought about, you've been doing ministry 60-plus years. You've had 100, 200 debates, 100 and some books, uh, done humanitarian aid projects, You've spoken to over 1,200 universities to more people live than anyone in, in history. I'd love to hear over this time just one or two stories or experiences that just rise to the top. One of your favorite, one of the most significant, maybe there's the debate with Didat, maybe it's humanitarian aid. I don't want to put things in your mouth, but the kinds of opportunities. Now looking back, you'd say that was just significant, and I'm honored and amazed God used me to do that. I would say one of the, not just significant, but impactful <clears throat> was when, uh, even though I got a lot of criticism for it at that time, when I launched the Why Wait campaign. Hmm. And uh, it was revolutionary because at that time, you just didn't talk about sex publicly, uh, especially in the church or a church camp, whatever. And I remember youth pastors say, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. They never, they knew how the kids were going to respond. It was the parents they were worried about. Mm. And, uh, and so I said, I, I think the launching of the Why Wait campaign, which went global, uh, was one of the most significant contributions the Lord allowed us in our ministry uh, to do. Mm. And then probably the second greatest thing was asking your mother to marry me. And I'm dead serious on that. Um, she is so wise. Well, you know that. She is so wise, so insightful. And she tempered me. She caused me to be more relational. Uh, through her, I learned to relax more when I talked about love and relationships and sex and all. And I don't think the Lord would give me the impact that he's allowed me to have if I'd married a woman, hmm. not quite like your mom. Hmm. And uh, every day I just pinch myself that I'm married to that woman. Hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I, never thought, I never thought it could happen hmm. that for 50-some years you could remain so in love. And uh, respect, I think the key is respect even more than love. 
that you could so respect each other over the years. Josh, one of the things I've appreciated about your ministry over all these years is how you, you've talked about how you've, how you've learned, how you continue to learn and to read and to study and how you've grown over the years and how you have matured in your approach to communication and to ministry. If you, had to, if you were starting over today as a you know, 25-year-old, as a communicator, what would you do differently today than you did when you first started out? It probably wouldn't be easy for me to answer because back when I was 23, 24, 25, I wanted to go into law. That was my heartbeat. Mm. And God called me out of it to Talbot Seminary. And uh, I remember making a choice, I don't know what you'd call it, that I wanted to live my life, have a ministry that when I have 50, 60, 70 years old, there's nothing I'd want to do different. Because I, everyone I listened to, oh, if I had to do it all over again, I would, oh, I would do this and I would do that and everything. That's all I heard when I was in seminary at Talbot right here. And so I decided I'm going to try to live my life without regrets. And so I can't think of too much. Right now, I can't think of anything I would do differently, uh, especially the results of it. Uh, so I'm going to back away from that, that question. I couldn't tell you what I would do differently. Okay, fair enough, because I think that's a, you know, that's a significant part of that, of that goal, to live life without regrets and to, to be thoughtful, think through how you're going to do things and not have regrets looking back. I commend you for that. Wow. People will sometimes use the word prophetic when talking about you. They'll say, well, Josh is a prophet. And I've heard you say many times, you'll say, I'm not a prophet. I just study and study and look at culture and try to see trends. So when it came to sexuality, you were ahead of the curve in the church. When it came to tolerance in the 90s, ahead of the curve in the church. As you look at trends right now, I know things are changing more quickly than they maybe did in the past. Because of the cell phone. Because of the smartphone information. What trends do you see that are here that concern you or some that are maybe coming down the road, so to speak, that we should have on our radar? I believe in the next 8, 10, 12 years, you're going to see the church, church as a whole, gosh, I hate to say this, move away from objectivity to more subjectivity, that which is uh, relevant at the time. Hmm. Uh, and I say that because as I read people and pastors, I listen to a lot of people talk, that's, that's how I catch the trend going. And I don't think it's a healthy trend, um, but a lot of people go too much over in the objective. And I've learned one, one principle that's true in life. Balance is almost always biblical. And if it's biblical, it's balanced. It really is. Mm. It's, not, it's not to the extremes. It's the balance in life. And I think that's key in ministry. Well, can I follow up on that just for a moment? Yeah, just go ahead. To unpack that a little bit further. What are some examples that cause you to see this shift away from objective truth to truth being more subjective in the church today? I think it's been rather easy. I read all the time. I listen. 
uh, I, I feel I've wasted an hour if I go jogging and I'm not listening. Uh, and we have a great podcast you could be listening to. <laughs> yeah, that's very objective. But as I've listened to the different speakers, everything, the programs, it's just, it's, it's just gradually shifting away from that which is true objectively. And I think when that happens, it's very easy for an individual, a church, or a group to get away from the gospel. The gospel is very objective. Yeah. Um, I think some of the areas where we need to be key on the evidence, and evidence always points to objectivity, is the resurrection, uh, the deity of Christ, the... um, Prophecies fulfilled in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Uh, I believe more today, schools like Biola, Talbot, Moody, etc., they really need to make sure they've got the objectivity in their teachings, what it goes back to. The resurrection was an event in history. In three days at tomb, was empty. Yeah. Hmm. But have the evidence for it. Have the evidence for it. All right. I, uh, this question is related to being married 51 years. You referenced earlier how significant it is to be married to my mom. But what does it take, especially from a broken home and not having an example to stay married and faithful to somebody half a century plus. When the culture is saying subjectivity, do whatever feels good, etc. Plagiarize. There's probably no one in life. Spell that out just a little bit. There's probably no one in life that has plagiarized more than I have. I, I literally had a discussion with myself on that years ago. And when I go to church... Christian conferences, seminars, at church, for example, I would watch the pastor, how he related to his wife, his children. I'd watch the businessmen there, couples, families. Mm. In fact, I remember going out in the foyer, foyer, and I would get close to people to listen to their conversations, how a man talked to his wife and everything. And uh, I think that significantly helped me. And then there was a man... Well, you knew him very well. He was next to you, my closest, dearest, most precious friend. And you know who I'm talking about, mm. Dick Day. Mm. And uh, Dick, everybody in life needs a Dick Day in their life, I think. He was about 10 years older than me. I admired him. I respected him. And yet he wasn't perfect. I mean, mm. he had his challenges with his own kids. But I learned about raising children and everything from Dick and Charlotte. Hmm. And uh, I learned about relationships. I learned about the priority of the gospel. I learned about, is your life contributing to the kingdom? Or are you taking from the kingdom? Hmm. And uh, so I would say most of the things in my life was because of relationships that I had. Hmm. 
That's what you mean by plagiarizing, not your books, just for the no, record. Not, yeah. Well, I don't, I think just maybe one <laughs> yeah, of the books. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> say, I but think, you, I think your, your Talbot faculty would like to know about that, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A kid, a kid in Russia took evidence demands a verdict in Russia, took my name off it, put his name on it, and <laughs> sold over 100,000 copies. Are you serious? I've I'm never heard serious. that before. Wow. I'm dead serious. That's I don't hilarious. buy it. I mean, I give the money away anyway. I've never seen a dollar from my books. But... Uh, at but least the gospel got you, out. There, there you go. You and Dick Day first met in the late 60s at Talbot School of Theology. And we're best friends for decades. The example of somebody. So I'm benefiting from him pouring yeah. into your life and modeling that. And your grandkids are. Well, what is interesting. I don't think any two men could love each other more than Dick and I loved each other. <laughs> I got accused of being gay. Everything. They said, nobody can love a man that much without being gay. And, and I said, you've got to be kidding. Do you have a warped sense of humor with that? Yeah. Then the same with David and Jonathan, and those arguments don't carry any weight. There's powerful brotherly love in the scriptures. Yeah, let me, let me follow up on the, on the marriage part, if I, if I might. You spent a lot of your you know, ministry years on the road, traveled, you know, uh, all my ministry years, I yeah, I mean, road. I, I say from from what Sean described your schedule just to make it here, you haven't slowed down hardly at all. Um, how have you been able to keep mm. your marriage together so successfully while being on the road so much of your professional life? Well, Probably the basic principle, and I gotta say this right because people misunderstand it. Never, never, ever put your ministry before, never put your marriage, ministry before your marriage. Never. And what I've learned, I never wanted to put my ministry before my marriage. Because my, my marriage is my first ministry. And so what I do with Campus Crusade, everything else, all the speaking, my entire life has been secondary. But of course, I'm married to the most fantastic woman. Amen. I, mean, I really am. It's just I'm humbled. I pinch myself that I, for 51 yeah. years I've been married to Dottie. And uh, so it's easy to... Uh, not put the ministry before my marriage. Let me ask you another question that's again a little bit more on the personal side, if I might. We've over the last decade or so, we've seen so many mm. public Christian leaders fall from grace. And they've had, you know, it's been for a variety of different it reasons. It hurts, doesn't it? It does. It's very painful to think about. Uh, but I think what I'm encouraged about is that your name is not on the list of mm. people who have fallen. How do you account for that over the, you know, the 60 plus years of ministry and I'm sure countless opportunities to fall from grace, but how, how have you remained faithful to your message, to your ministry and to your marriage? The, uh, God has called me first to be married to Dottie before he's called me into the ministry. So for me, one, it's a priority relationship. Second, 
I really want, and a lot of times I've failed, my life and ministry to coincide with God's desires. And I know my love for Dottie and everything is right in the center of God's desires for me, even more than ministry. Because if Dottie and I lost our marriage and our love and everything for each other, my ministry would be gone. It would be. But that's not why I love her. But uh, that's it's, it's priority. And then... Never, ever quit working on your marriage. Never stop. I always think of new ways I can tell Dottie I love her, everything else. Uh, And so always work on your marriage. Learn from others, watch others, reading the books. I still read books on marriage. Not a lot now, but every once in a while I hear a book, people are saying, boy, that's a great book and everything. And uh, I thought they were talking about one of mine, <laughs> and I found out they weren't. <laughs> and so I would get that book and read it. Yeah. Uh, the other, I can't mention this one because Scotty said, don't you talk don't about. Don't do it, Dad. I'm not going <laughs> just to. Let me just stop you right there. I, I can't do it, but next, you can imagine next, one next question, question here really quickly. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> you know, perhaps the most famous Biola graduation speech of all time, 1998, my senior year, you were speaking. You told me I'd be surprised, but I didn't expect this level of surprise. And as a faculty member sitting through it, you were there as a faculty member. Were you there? I was. It was fabulous. I still remember every word of it, don't you? I do. Do you really remember word for word? I've never asked you this. Let's go. You said you heard it. What is it? (laughs) Never, ever, ever. Stop loving God and loving your spouse. Yep. I left out the God. Three times. I I left out the God part, but everything else was right along with it. I felt like that was was kind of important. That was a lot better the way you say it. More spiritual (laughs) godly man. So that was was pretty good. And I I remember because I've had people quote this to me. Never stop pursuing an intimate, loving relationship with your spouse and spend time with your kids. I repeated it three times. Three times times. and sat down, and I was surprised. And Clyde Cook was the president. He goes, well, I'm glad we're paying Josh by the word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they gave me an honorarium after that one. Well, yeah. But it's been quoted more than any speech in the history of Biola. Oh, it's the most memorable graduation I've ever been to. I had a friend at BYU, a high school friend at BYU. His wife goes... Hey, was this you who gave this speech? And she recited, I was like, no, that's my dad at my graduation. She remembered it. But I bring that up because you said one of the ways you stayed faithful is to love your wife, my mom, and you spent time with us as kids. You did I that. I had people come up to me and say, that was horrible. You're just lazy, aren't you? I said, well, I just gave the speech. It's going to be quoted more than any other speech, were they? But I said... I spent about $800 on that talk. And I tried to find out what is the one thing that's going to derail their ministry, their mm-hmm. life, and their marriage. And, um, and I found out it, the thing that would derail their ministry and everything is their marriage. So that's when I come in, came up with never, ever, ever, ever stop 
pursuing a loving, intimate relationship with your wife, repeated it three times and sat down. And uh, I got the point across. Because that's the number one thing that's derailing people. Yeah. All the faculty were cheering you on. Yep. Yeah, they it wanted to go great. out for dinner. Great. That's right. <laughs> In part for but being was, short, everyone was looking around like, that was awesome. Your dad killed it. Right. I was like, I know, he did. Hey, Dad, a question for you. You study the next generation. Gen Zers are now probably around junior high, maybe 12 and up to like 25. So the early name right now is Gen Alpha. There'll probably be a new name in due time. I've only really seen a couple handful of studies. Yeah, could be. I've only seen a few studies about this generation because it's hard to ask eight-year-olds what they think about things. But do you have any sense of some of the unique traits unique characteristics, unique challenges that this generation, say those who are like one to 11 right now might face? What might be unique about them? For example, they, I know one thing they will be is the first majority non-white generation. Gen Z was the last. That's a factor. How digital they will be, et cetera. But do you have any thoughts on Gen Alpha? Yes. I've already stated some of it tonight. I think you will find them more subjective than any other generation. Hmm. That's the context they're growing up in. That's the emphasis of many parents and everything without them realizing it. And, uh, and I, I, would, I would bet everything I had that they'll, they'll become a lot more subjective. Then I believe you're going to see not a rebellion, what would you call it? Um, a reaction. And it's going to start shifting. I really do. Uh, a lot of it depend upon the church. When you say subjective, do you mean feeling-oriented, self-focused, because they've been told it's all about you, in a sense? What, tell it's me what you mean by that. Feelings. Okay. It become more... I feel that's true. I feel that. I feel this. And uh, we're definitely going to be going there. I have no question about that. But I think, I'm not sure how long it'll last because it'll fail. Mm. It will fail. And people will be miserable. And if the church, I think it all comes back to the church. I really do. And if the church produces... Healthy marriages, healthy families. It can be one of the greatest things that could happen in America. And I think we would see, actually, I think you could almost call it a nationwide revival. If the church does its job. Hmm. And I got a lot of confidence in the church. Let me pursue that a little bit further. Uh, You've talked about some things that you're worried about, about the church going forward. What are some things that encourage you? about what the church is doing and what gives you hope for the future of the church from where you sit today? It's kind of hard, difficult for me to answer that one because I don't like saying anything unless I'm pretty, got pretty good convictions about it and can back it up. And right now, I, I don't know if I could back it up, but I believe because the church is here to stay. And I think, you look at history, I don't know how many times a church has rebounded. They really have. I, I'm, hmm. I'm proud of the church. I, I'm 
proud of the pastors that we have. And I really think it'll be repeated that the church is going to rebound and take the country with it. I really do. Uh, because God is in control. Yeah. But America would probably pass away as most, not the most powerful nation right away, but the most influential nation, I think, will start changing. I really do. And um, there's several reasons for that. One is America's had a lot of influence over the years for one reason, all the movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, about 95, 97% of all the movies in the world come out of Hollywood, America, American culture, American, tremendous influence. And then television. But now, I think what's going to cause shift is one of the most powerful items of technology ever, the smartphone. I think more and more people from other countries, other cultures, that now they can transmit their culture. They can transmit their ideas where they couldn't before. Mm. And I think that's going to, there's some great cultures out there. I mean, I think America's a great culture, but there's some great cultures out there that are going to rise to the top. And uh, my only hope is that they'll have a positive influence in the world with that. I hope so. I think just to be, to be clear, you know, we're not, we're not equating the flourishing of any particular country with the progress of the kingdom of God. You know, those are two completely separate oh, things. And I know you're not I suggesting I sure hope that. they are. Yeah. Uh, oh, as, definitely. And as, yeah, and as much as we want America to continue to flourish, uh, you know, I'm not we talking are, about flourishing just spiritually. I'm talking about financially, right. political, in, in influence, military, everything. Culture. Yeah. And uh, because of this smartphone, more and more people are exposed to other cultures mm -hmm. and the good in other cultures. Right. And that's going to rise to the forefront. It really will. It already mm -hmm. is. It already is. Dad, I got one last question for you. And you, it's, it's possible you answered this, but you could reiterate it. We've got a lot of students here at Biola that not only listen to the podcast, students at Talbot, grad students that do, but some here in person listening while we record this. What encouragement would you give to a young person today? just to be faithful, to live a life of influence in light of this cultural moment? What encouragement would you give to a young person who says, hey, man, you've been doing this a long time. Give me some words of wisdom. The number one thing I would say, because it's the number one thing I do say, is no matter what kind of relationship you have with your mom and dad, do everything within your power to develop a healthy relationship with your mom and dad. Because if you do, you will never, ever regret it. But if you don't, you will probably grow up regretting it. I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have done this, whatever. Because I'm convinced, and I think I can prove it statistically in, in research, that the healthier relationship you have in your parents, the healthier your life is going to be when you live it out. It really is. I, uh, I wish more parents took more seriously the impact they have upon children. Uh, but, um, I mean, my dad was drunk all the time. Uh, 
my mother, uh, I think, drove him to drink. Uh, she'd, my mother weighed 346 pounds, and she was only 5'9". And, uh, and so she could throw my dad around. I remember in the kitchen throwing him against the wall, everything. And I think my mother humiliated my dad and drove him to drink. Mm. But my mother was a good woman, but she sure had her negative parts. And so the better the relationship of a child with their parents, the healthier their life is going to be and the greater the impact. And uh, you got to remember, parents are not perfect. Uh, some of them are not even clear to be imperfect. But they're still the parents that God chose for you. And I would do everything I could to have a good relationship with my mom and dad. Appreciate your vulnerability on that. That's, that's rich. Thank you. Well, I wish to God every day I'd had a, a loving, close, meaningful, intimate relationship with my mom and dad, and I didn't. And I don't think a day goes by I don't think about it. And I mean, my one brother sued my parents for everything they had, took everything, and he probably deserved it. But my other sister ran away from home. Uh, my other sister killed herself. Uh, and my other brother left, and I, I still don't know where he is. He's two years older than me, and I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I've gone on the Internet and everything trying to find him, and I can't. Uh, it wasn't a very healthy family. But where I was fortunate, I had a dick day in my life. And I married the right woman. I married the right woman. If I had married any one that wasn't quite like Dottie, I wouldn't be married right now. I'd be divorced. And I wouldn't. I mean, God has allowed me to have a global ministry and impact in people's lives. And uh, I couldn't have had that without being married to someone like Dottie. And I love it. Her kids call her my shining star. You're here. Yeah. <laughs> I call her my boss. No, I don't. No, I don't. It's just... I always do what oh, she says man. because she makes so much sense. There you go. It bugs me sometimes. <laughs> well, I had some you more... You said that was co- the last question. Uh, you know, I did. I, I was about to say I had some more questions for you, but that felt like a mic drop moment. You bought a full You're circle here. back to mom full circle back to the impact Dick Day had on your life. So, Dad, thanks for coming back. We'll have you in five more years. We'll do, do it again. the check? <laughs> we'll just I, keep I going. One thing. If I leave, when you leave without a check, the longer it takes to get to you, the smaller it is. Josh, this was, this was called Singing for Your Supper tonight. Oh, uh, exactly. okay. okay. Yep. All right. Cut, I'll write cut, that one out. Cut his mic. That's cut my his 10% mic. for this year. That's it. <laughs> All right, Dad, thanks. Uh, I don't care what others say. You two are okay. We we appreciate that. Well, you can hear the applause in the background. Thanks, Dad. That was wonderful. If you want to hear more of his story, check out his book and video, Undaunted Tells His Life. I think you'll enjoy that. This has been brought to you by the Think Biblically podcast from Biola University Talbot School of Theology. Check out biola.edu forward slash think biblically for more episodes. If you enjoyed today's podcast or even if you didn't enjoy today's podcast, please give us a rating on your podcast app and consider sharing it with a friend. Thanks so much. And remember, think biblically about everything.